And thank you, church, for your generosity. We are known for generosity. So you're in for a great time with all those letters and all those offerings. It'll be wonderful for you. Great time, precious time. I want to open your Bible with me in Joshua chapter 1. I just want to talk about briefly about the challenge of change, the challenge of change. Change is always uncomfortable. Uh, how many know that? It's always uncomfortable. I don't even like changing my shoes. I like the same pair of shoes. A new pair of shoes doesn't feel good, but it may be better, it may look better, it may function better, but I still don't like them. I like the old ones. And uh, change, change. Men, I think it's something about men. We kind of like the routine. We have a, one set of clothes we like, and wife can't always understand why I don't bring out the other set of clothes. And like you just only got one. But change is very uncomfortable because we prefer the place of comfort. We prefer uh, a situation which is predictable and which we feel we have a measure of control over. It's always difficult for us when changes take place to come to recognize our vulnerability and our need to depend on the Lord who is the one who changes not. I'm talking with Sylvia this week. And, you know, the, the, the coming to face the process of change with Neil having died when he just seemed so strong and yesterday was doing so well and then a day later her whole world has changed. But what happens is it calls us and provokes us to recognize change in life is inevitable and change is painful, uh, but change can greatly benefit us if we look into the Lord and fix our eyes on Him and learn how to draw from Him. And I have found over the years I've had very uncomfortable changes, very painful changes, some easier than others. And I want to just look at just a few, just four key things out of the book of Joshua on change. And uh, just to encourage us and just to help us uh, as we walk through change as a church. And uh, so I want you to have a look with uh, me, first of all, in Joshua chapter 1. And uh, verse 1 and 2. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, rise Go over this Jordan into all the, uh, with all the people into the land I am giving them, even the children of Israel. And every place the sole of your foot tread on, I have given you, as I said to Moses. So here's the first thing you see. Number one, in all times of change, put your focus on Jesus Christ. Put your focus on God, not on the circumstances or on the people. In other words, we're called, if we're going to run our race successfully, to set the eyes of our heart and our focus on Jesus Christ. My question always is, Jesus, what are you doing and how do I respond to you? Uh, you notice here the people uh, were going through a massive transition. The only leader they'd known for 40 years was Moses. Moses represented stability. He represented security. He represented love. And in a very real way, it was probably an idolatrous emotional connection to him. They looked to him. And right at the key point, if you were doing this, you would never consider it this way. If you were planning how to make the journey, the one thing you would have made sure was that Moses stuck with it right through into the promised land. And so when God suddenly uh, brought to an end Moses' ministry, there was a huge shock and huge grief as people had to walk through and face at a crucial time in their destiny when they're about to come into the best season of their life, they went through a very difficult and painful loss. And uh, notice that grieving is part of the loss. Grieving and letting go is part of the loss. God let them grieve for 30 days. They actually had a 30-day mourning period. They cried, they wept, and whatever. And then God just comes and said, you must face change is change. 
that is finished. Now there's a new season, and my purpose has never changed. God doesn't change. His plan doesn't change. All that changes are personalities and people that are involved in working out the plan of God. It's the same for us. Uh, in our lives, we come and we minister and uh, give out. It's very easy for people to look at strong ministry gifts and in the end find without even realizing it that they become dependent on a person and their focus shifts from the daily dependency to hear from God personally and to respond and to walk with God. It can become quite a difficulty. And so God's uh, very clear direction was this. He said, face the changes here and now begin to remember what you're called to. Remember your destiny. Remember what this is all about. It's all about the, my purpose. It's all about me and what I'm doing. Sometimes what happens when we go through distressing pressures in life, it becomes all about me. And it's all about what I'm feeling, what I'm going through, how I'm uncomfortable, whether I agree with what's happening or disagree with what's happening, rather than, actually, God, it is all about you and what you were doing. How can I see what you were doing and align with what you're doing? So number one, focus, intentionally put our focus on the Lord. As I've uh, had to walk through and face transition with all its uncertainties and pain and pressures and, and, and griefs, the one thing I decided to do before it even began was that I would particularly focus my attention on the Lord and intentionally pursue Him harder and more strongly than I had done at any season of my life in ministry. And so as a result of that, I came into a different level of strength and a different level of confidence in Him. So the pain and pressure of uncertainty shifts and so on, conflicts, for me, has worked a greater dependency upon God and more willingness to just let go and let Him work out what he wants to work out. I encourage you, focus your attention on the Lord and hear what he's saying to you. Here's the second thing. I want you to look in Joshua chapter 3, and uh, Joshua chapter 3, and uh, we want to read about verse 14. Uh, <clears throat> and it was so when the people set out from the camp to cross over Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, that those who bore the Ark came to the Jordan, their feet of the priests who bore the Ark dipped into the edge of the water, for Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of harvest. And the waters which came down from upstream stood still, rose in a heap very far away at, uh, at Adam, the city beside Zaratan. So the waters stopped and were cut off, and everyone went over on the dry ground. So here's the second thing. Expect God to give you grace for the next season. Expect God to give you grace for the next season. Now, I want you to think about this. God said, I want to remind you that you have a vision. There is a harvest, there is people to reach, there are souls to be won, there's people to be gathered up, there's a whole community in desperate need, and a church needs to move from the old pastoral paradigm into an apostolic paradigm of reaching and engaging the community, of being active, not about meetings in the house, as much as bringing, the he bringing heaven into the community. Now you notice that the time that God said it, number one, they went through a loss, a major loss, which to them seemed an impossible blow. Number two, it was the most difficult time it could possibly happen. It was the time of harvest. At the time of harvest, the Jordan River flooded its banks, and it became impassable because there were heavy rains, and there was this, this mighty flowing torrent. Not only that, but on top of that, there were lions came out. The lions that lived in the thickets and lived along the uh, banks of the river, when the river flooded, the lions came out. So if you think about this, the very time that God says, I want you to cross the river, was the most difficult possible time 
because of the scale of the obstacles to be overcome, and also because of the lions that presented an intimidating threat to them all the time. The lions came being flushed out of their hiding places, now saw the people of God as, as food. <laughs> so they, they're thinking, I got a great meal out here. So this is the very time. Now notice what happened, that in the very time it was most difficult, there's no record of a lion attacking them. There's no record that the lions had any victories whatsoever. In other words, there was something of the grace of God on them to overcome all of the natural elements of the lions. In a time of change, God gives grace to you to overcome all roarings of the devil against you. Believe me, when we go through changes in our life, the devil roars. He will roar to intimidate. He'll roar to put wrong thoughts in our minds. He'll roar to accuse. He'll roar to blame. He'll roar to distort everything. And God wants you to know you have victory over the lions. Second thing you notice is when they determined that they would walk for, forward, no one had ever seen this. Never happened in history before. So if it's never happened before, how would you know what will happen? God just said, go down there and step in the water. Now notice this. They were carrying the presence of God. If you stay in the Spirit, if you stay in a place of intimacy with God, then you carry Him everywhere you go. You've got to get out of this Old Testament thinking that God comes and goes. God does not come and go. God stays. The Old Testament, He came and then He left. If He did right, He came. If He did bad, He left. That's the Old Testament. We're not in the Old Testament. We're in the New Testament. God has come and He stays. And He stays with it. Jesus said, I will not leave you, I'll not forsake you. His Spirit is in us. So you can live your life absolutely certain you carry the presence of God. Now, how much of it you're aware of, well, that has to do with your relationship and abiding. But when you begin to rest into Him and and draw on Him, become aware of Him, you can begin to step out, and the things which are very difficult and impassable split before you. It's an issue of faith, of believing that if God said to walk forward, He's going to do something that I haven't seen yet. Who would have thought that God would split the water when he'd split the water once before for Moses, but he did it with Moses with a big rod. This is a totally different way of doing it now. Same problem, but a different way of doing it. Same issue, but a different way that God is handling it. This time, instead of Moses, the great man of God, holding up his rod and some great thing happening and everyone being impressed with Moses, now you find it's ordinary people who are carrying the ark of God and they're together as a team stepping out and the water's parting in front of them. That's, that's very prophetic of the new season when it's not great ministries that are what God's interested in. What God is interested in is people demonstrating faith and walking with Him and carrying His presence. The church must go through a radical change. Over the, over the number of years, God has restored powerful ministries to the church. But we should never forget that powerful ministries being restored to the church are for a purpose, and the purpose is not an end in themselves. The purpose is that ordinary people are equipped and do great works for God. In other words, that ordinary people carry the presence of God, walk into the waters of Jordan, and start to see some things happening. That ordinary people carry God's presence out with expectation of a harvest. And that was what they were motivated to do. So number one, let's keep our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ, listening to Him and seeing what He's up to, not people and circumstances. In doing that, you are changed. The Bible says, beholding Him, we are changed from glory to glory. Second thing, expect God's grace to overcome any challenges. We have a whole heap of challenges. But, you know, one of the things I've felt in my heart is just to be at rest. There'll be grace for all the challenges. You've just got to be willing to trust God. Here's the third thing now. The third thing is, uh, it found in 
I thought Lynn was going to steal it all away, you know, when she started to speak. It's so like Lynn to do that, to take all that. <laughs> but she caught the same spirit. Let's have a look in, uh, in, jo- in Joshua chapter 5. Joshua chapter 5, verse 2. And the Lord said to Joshua, now this is something you wouldn't expect either, make flints for yourself and circumcise the sons of Israel the second time. And so he made flint knives for, flint knives for himself and he circumcised the sons of Israel at the hill of foreskins. And this is the reason why he did this, because all the people who came out of Egypt who were males, all the men of war who died in the wilderness on the way out of they come out of Egypt, and the people who came out had been circumcised, but the people born in the wilderness had not. So what God is saying is, there's going to be, I know you all got this expectation of these great things ahead. You know, I know I've got this great vision, and there you are, you'll be in the land, you'll be able to see it, you'll be able to see everything, but guys, I've got some bad news, and this is the bad news, we're going to have to have a little operation. And uh, so to have that little operation, of course, one, the people become very vulnerable, two, it was extremely painful, and three, it left them in some pain afterwards. Now, Again, if you were the one having the plan, would you have done such a thing when, they're about, when they've entered hostile territory, about to take a, 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 a major city, and now you've got all the men and they're hiding in their tents hurt? Now, that's not our strategy. It's not how we would do it. But what God was saying was this. He said, this is it. The purpose of the circumcision was to reinforce covenant. It was to affirm they are covenant people with God. Now, I am so glad we're in the New Testament. I don't want to mix the New Testament and the Old Testament because they've got some very painful things in the Old Testament, and they're done away with in Christ. The New Testament is a covenant of love. So Jesus says, now, the new covenant I form with you is a covenant of love. You walk in the spirit of love, and it has to do with your heart and heart attitudes. We now have a circumcision of the heart by the spirit, not a physical thing. Aren't you glad? Oh, yeah. It doesn't mean it isn't painful, though. It doesn't mean it isn't painful. So in times of change, when we're faced with stresses and pressures, all manner of things come up out of our heart. And this is what Jesus said. If you want to know who's my disciple, if you want to know who's following me, there's really a simple way of finding out. It's not their revelations. It's not their visions. It's not the teachings they have. It's actually one thing and one thing alone. He said, this is how you identify someone following Christ, is that they love the body of Christ. It's as simple as that. Lynn began to share on that earlier on, great part of her her, her message. I want to just have a look here in Luke chapter 9. I want to show you something else in Luke chapter 9. I just want to touch on this area a little. In other words, how we relate to people is the only demonstration of whether we're following Christ. I'll say it again. How you relate to people and treat people is really the only demonstration of what is in your heart towards God and in your walk with God. Now, I want you to have a look with me in Luke chapter 9. It's just, a, it's just a brief story here. Luke chapter 9, verse 51. Here it is here. Now, and it says, When it came to pass, when it was time for Jesus to be received up, so he's coming to the end of his ministry, and he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem, and sent messages before his face. And as they went, they entered the village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. So Jesus is uh, thinking, well, I've got a crowd. I'll send someone here, and they can set up a room and let them all know I'm coming, and that, you know, there's going to be prayer meetings, going to be healing meetings, going to be deliverance meetings, and all that kind of thing, and and, uh, we want to bless your city. Uh, But they did not receive him, because his face 
was set for the journey to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just like Elijah did? He turned around and rebuked them and said, you don't know what manner of spirit you are of. The Son of Man has not come to destroy lives, but to save them. And so he just went to another village. Okay, now what's happened is Jesus is coming to a village. He is moving and he has an intent to bless the people in this village. That means they'll receive healings and deliverances. Their lives will be touched. But he was set that he would not stay there. He would move on to Jerusalem. And this is what happened. The people in the village were full of religious opinion. They were full of religious opinion. They were contending about things spiritual, where the temple should be. Some say it's in Jerusalem. Some say it's in Samaria. And so this group were fixed and rigid uh, opinions, and they contended with Jesus, or literally because of their opinion, they rejected welcoming him and what he could do. And it's very true today that fixed opinions can rob us of the new things God is wanting to do because we get, we're creatures of habit. We love the old things. I like the old songs, the old ways, the old this, the old that. But actually, there's a new generation emerging that has to be reached. So I have to be willing to change. But if I get stuck that this is how I'm used to it, it has to happen that way, then I'm in a fixed opinion and I can find myself fighting against God. I don't want to be in that place at all. But what's even worse is the disciples' reaction. Now remember, when there's disagreements or differences of opinion, here's what happens. Everyone wants to be right. The need to be right is rooted in pride. And where pride operates in our heart, the need to be right will cause us to contend with people to prove we are right. And if I am right, you are wrong. And I need to prove you are wrong and I am right. Now, I can tell you now, this is a very big issue in people. And it was a big issue in the disciples. Now, here's what the disciples came up with. They knew that Jerusalem was the right place to worship. They knew it was right Jesus went there. And these people hold a different opinion. So their response was this. Shall we call down fire from heaven and burn them like Elijah did. Don't you see the zeal? See? Because they've got a history. It's in the Bible, of course, in the Old Testament. Elijah did call down fire and burn up some people. But what they didn't say is that we're in a new covenant. And the new covenant is not about calling fire down on people and burning them up. The new covenant is about loving people and blessing them. In the church... There are many people still live under old covenant, have a mix of the old and a mix of the new. So when something happens that we don't like, oh, Lord, I'll call down fire. I'll sp- now, of course, we don't call fire from heaven, literally. We would just rather speak things, speak judgments, speak against people, speak against, speak against all kinds of things. That's how people do it. And this is what Jesus said to them. You don't know what spirit you're of. You hear someone speaking of Christians in a negative, ungodly way, you don't know what spirit they're of. It's so easy to be caught up in that. It's so easy to be caught up when people have got, uh, you know what the disciples had in them? They had pride, they had anger, they had resentment, and there was a prejudice against these Samaritans. Let's just, let's fix them. Fix them with some fire from heaven. It's in the Bible, you know. If 
Fire from heaven. So we'll call down fire from heaven. But Jesus tried to tell them, listen, this is a wrong spirit. It is a wrong spirit. If you were with the disciples and you had it reported to you, well, these Samaritans rejected Jesus, they'd have nothing to do with him. Probably you would have got caught up with the fire from heaven group too. It's very easy to do that. Now, this happens everywhere. We hear people speak, and we don't always know what manner of spirit is driving it. But Jesus said it's very easy to identify those who follow him because the spirit of love is what they manifest. The spirit of love is manifested in words. It's manifested in kindness. It's manifested in the willingness to just withhold judgment and allow people to be people and allow people to do what they want. Jesus never told them off for their choice. Jesus let them make their choice. He just moved in a different way. Their choice led them to miss out on blessing. That's okay. He doesn't mind that. God allows us free will to make choices. Now, as we go through a season of change, there will be people make decisions. Here's the first thing. It's absolutely okay. It's all right to make decisions about what you're going to do. The Bible tells us God sets people in churches, sets people in homes, sets people where he wants. It's perfectly all right to let God speak to you and direct you. It's not so good if you get caught up in a fire from heaven thing. That's not so good. If I make decisions based on hearing from God, you know what I'm absolutely certain of? I can walk with a good spirit into the new, and I'm absolutely convinced that God's blessing just continues to flow. If I walk with a bad spirit, then I've got baggage to fix up. Because Jesus said when you speak against his body, his people, you speak against him. You can't separate the two. You can't separate it. So in the season ahead, as people make changes and people make decisions, making decisions is fine. All you need to do is walk in a good spirit. Walk in the spirit of love. And that's how people know you're following Jesus. Being here and being in Bay City or being in another church is an irrelevant situation. Being here or somewhere else is irrelevant. It's, it's actually being where God positioned you is the key thing. And ensuring that if you make changes, you're making it in a good spirit, not in the fire from heaven spirit. <laughs> make it a good spirit. So I love, I love it when we go through a season of change because we all just get a bit of a shake and then you have to go into your heart and you say, God, I want to walk in a good spirit. And sometimes that requires repenting of being a bit angry, a bit terse, a bit negative, or a bit critical, a bit judgmental, all that kind of stuff. That's the, that's the circumcision. God wants to work in our hearts so you just grow deeper in love. So no matter what, and of course, when, when people reject us or apparently reject us, it's very easy to want fire from heaven. I mean, you think about it. Someone cuts across you in the car. You know, you're surprised how many Christians will shake their fists and they're in the fire from heaven brigade. It's very quick. It can even happen out in the car park there. Very quick. But how can we present Christ to the world if we're a fire from heaven group? We actually have to be being in love with Jesus and loving people and showing it and demonstrating it in our words and actions. And for that to happen, maybe some of us need a circumcision. Don't touch me, you know. But that's actually the work of the Spirit. And so it's not my job to do that. That's something God does as he shows in our heart where actually that wasn't a loving thing you said. That was an unkind thing you said. And the Bible tells us very clearly, don't grieve the Spirit, walk in love. Don't grieve the Spirit, walk in love. 
Don't grieve the Spirit. Don't grieve the Spirit. Walk in love. That's the the principle in Ephesians 4.29. Here's the last one. And found in Joshua. Here's the last one. In going through a process of change, here's the last one. uh, Just another key. In Joshua chapter 5. And here it is. Very simple. And and this is what you can expect. I love this. In Joshua chapter 5. Verse 13. Came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, a man stood opposite him with the sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him. Now, guess what he says to him? He says what everyone says. Whose side are you on? Don't you love that? Or putting it another way, who's right and who's wrong? Now, see, that's what he says. And, and it's, I love the way Jesus replies. I'm not on anyone's side. I'm in charge. You need to change. Don't you love that? He said, I'm not on anyone's side. I'm actually the boss. Oh, you knelt down. He said, well, I better line up on your side, just in case I'm no longer there. See? And, and so we see, see in that, he said, he said no, not, not as the, I come as the commander of the army of the Lord. That's how I've come. And he fell on the ground and he worshipped him. And then verse 2 of chapter 6, the Lord said to Joshua, See, I've given Jericho into your hand, its king and its mighty men of valor. I want you just to finish just this last thought on here. Here's the last thing. Expect fresh encounter and revelation from Jesus in times of change. That's the one thing that's absolutely certain. In times of change, you experience Jesus fresh, and he says things to you that are personal to you, that change your life. Expect it to happen. Uh, We tend to focus on what's right, what's wrong, and it always ends up in death. But if we focus on God what are you saying to me? What must I do? We come into a place of life. And Jesus said, uh, I set life and death before you. Choose life. I believe that as we listen to God, we'll hear him say good things. You will hear him say great things, great things for you and your life, great things for Bay City. I believe great days ahead for us because I've read what God had to say. He said, I know the plans I have for you, plans for good plans for good. So we listen to God and walk, there's plans for good. doesn't mean everything's perfect, but plans for good, you know. Plans for good, not evil. Not evil. That's God's Word. Plans for good, not evil. So we have great days ahead of us. Yes, season of change, but great days, unusual new things happening, and in the midst of it, we can expect God to speak to each of us. This is a prophetic church. I encourage you to think through the points that I brought and begin to say, well, God, how about it for me? Am I got my eyes fixed on you? Am I fixed on you or am I fixed on circumstances and becoming unstable? Remember, the person who fixes on the Lord and does what Jesus said is a stable person. The person who fixes on people and circumstances and emotions is all over the place. This is a principle of the kingdom of walking in life. Think about it now. Think about what does God want to say to me? Think about it. What does he want to change in my life and heart? And how can I rise at this time and be the best I can in the next season of my life? We say amen. Father, we just thank you today. We thank you for great things that you are doing. We thank you, Lord, that you are our comforter, our strength. You are the strength of our life. Jesus, you are our Messiah, and we honor you, love you. Lord, even as Joshua came and heard and saw and encountered you and tried to put pressure on you to prove who was right and who was wrong, Lord, you put him in his place. He said, Lord, 
You made it quite clear you're the commander. So, Lord, today we acknowledge you as our commander. We acknowledge you as Lord. We acknowledge you as the one who directs our life. And as we align and abide in you, our lives are blessed. Our lives are blessed. Father, today we ask that you'd root out of our lives uh, Old Testament, Old Covenant theology, ways of thinking that leave us bound into legalism and judgmentalism. Lord, let us come in the spirit of faith, the spirit of life, the spirit of love into the full new things that you have for us. We know as we abide in you, we are blessed. We are blessed. We are blessed. We are blessed. We're blessed in the morning. We're blessed at night. We're blessed today. We're blessed tomorrow. We walk in blessing. Father, I pray blessing upon every person, every family, grace and blessing in Jesus' mighty name and a fresh release of the Holy Ghost. And Lord, we give you all the honor. Everyone said, Amen. Praise the Lord. Come on, let's just stand and finish with a song today.